Uh, what a great morning. Thank you, Michelle and the team. Whew. Can you just breathe them in? Or not. You know, it's your choice. Uh, if I can get my iPad to work here, we'll be going well. Man, you guys got like really quiet all of a sudden. Anticipation. Good. I'll go with that. All right. Well, we've got a lot going on here at the mission. I'm so thankful for it. Some important stuff. Um, But Katie, are you still in the room? Katie, can you come down here, please? Katie, Grace. This is one amazing, amazing. Here, just come down here. I know that makes it even more awkward. And it's probably going to get even more awkward for you. So, But your home's for today, so we get to make, and I get to do what I want to do. <laughs> and embarrass you as much as I can. <clears throat> but Katie was here with us for a long time and served so well. Like, Just so you know, the worship this morning... It was a, is what it is because Katie and Paris worked on it and built it and influenced it. So our worship is what it is because of Katie and Paris. And so she's just a special, special lady. She's not a girl anymore. I can't call her a girl anymore. But she is getting married next month. So congratulations to an amazing young man named Noah. I didn't meet him, so I'm not quite sure about him. But your dad has, and if your dad's given the okay, if you know her dad, if he's given the okay, then we're good. He's an amazing man of God. So we're so happy to have you here, and we're just so happy for you. But I want to just take a moment, and if you guys can stand and stretch your hands towards her. And bless her in this new adventure. And then also we want to bless you. So if you want to bless her, come and bless her. But let's pray for her. This amazing woman of this house. A a daughter of this house. So spread your hands for her and just start praying blessing. If you want to come bless her, come bless her. So Jesus, we thank you for this one. That poured out her life for us here at the mission. But more importantly, she pours her life out to you. So we just bless her. And ask that you bless her and keep her. That your face would shine upon her. Her and her new husband-to-be. That they will be blessed. And well taken care of. As these world changers go out into the world. And change it for you. So we bless them. We bless them from this house. That the blessings of the mission would follow them all of their days. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, Katie. We bless you. In your new new life. We know he's not good enough for you. 
Even though I haven't met him, he's still not good enough for you. But that is... All right, I feel like I can go home now. But I know we've had a lot of announcements this morning, but they're really good stuff going on. And I I do want to repeat a couple of them because I think they're really, really important for us. And one is the financial piece. How many of you here need a financial miracle? Yeah, you know I'm setting you up because normally when we ask that question... 99% of you raise your hand. But this class will help teach you how to manage your money and manage it well. See, I've learned through many mistakes. Me and Des actually went through this class years ago. And when we applied these principles to our lives, we actually had peace in our finances. I don't think you really understand how much weight you feel from your finances until you actually start dealing with them well and that peace comes because you know you're handling them well. See, in the Bible, Jesus talks about finances a lot. And he ties how we steward finances to the outcome of our finances. Oh, it got really quiet. I don't think you liked that one, but It's what Jesus talked about. He gave the talents away and how they managed them determined what they ended up at the end with. The ones that learned to manage it well ended up with more. The one that didn't lost what he had. And Jesus is teaching us a principle that we have to manage, we have to steward our money well, which opens the gates for him to bless us. And we learned that in our lives. When we started applying those principles and managing our money well, we started seeing miracle after miracle happen in our finances. Like, it was, I think in a six-month period, once we started actually applying these principles and stewarding our money correctly, we had a car given to us, a brand-new car given to us, Our refrigerator stopped working. Someone gave us a refrigerator. Didn't know our refrigerator wasn't working. We had a stove go out, stop working. But you're thinking, wow, that that doesn't sound like a blessing. And we didn't have the money to buy a brand new one. So we went shopping to try to find the the cheapest model we could find because that's all we could really afford. And even that was a stretch. And we went to the store, we're looking, and we got, there was a scratch and dent section in the back. So we walked back there, and we're like, hey, we might as well look, see what we can find. And we found this stove that was an upgraded model, but it didn't have a price on it. So we finally found a, a person that was working there, and we're like, hey, how much is this one? And they're like, oh, I don't know, let me go get my manager. So he goes and gets the manager. They walk up. And before the manager can say how much it is, the guy goes, oh, it's, it's this much. And you can tell the manager was not happy with him. 
he was like, he can tell his head just drops. And he's like, actually, it's like $200 more than that. But that's what he told you. So you can have it for that. And it was hundreds of hundreds of dollars off what it normally, we got it for a fraction of the cost. And all it had was a little scratch on the side that the cabinets hide anyways. See, when we steward our money well, it opens heaven's resources to us. So I would highly, highly encourage you to go to this class and learn these principles because it will change your life. I no longer live with the, oh, do we have the money to pay this bill? Because I know it's there. Because I manage it well. That doesn't mean things don't get tight. Right? But we've learned how to manage it. So I would highly encourage you to go to this class. It's worth the investment. All right? Amen. I know I'm spending some time on this, but this is really important. You know, we had a huge financial breakthrough this last year at the mission. And we've heard tons of stories of you having financial breakthroughs this last year. But I've learned when you have a breakthrough, you got to have follow through. Or else it just evaporates. And you're back in the same position you were before you had the breakthrough. So, follow through. Ignite, Michelle did a great job. Just come. come. It will change your life. Come. It starts in two weeks, so get signed up. Also, something really exciting. You know, tomorrow we get to celebrate a great man as a nation. We get to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. and his impact on this nation he had with his life. And so tomorrow... There's the fourth annual MLK celebration, and our very own is the keynote speaker. Mo Arnold is our key, is the keynote speaker, which is amazing. So I would encourage you to go to it's at 12 o'clock at the Ulatus Center here in Vacaville at 1000 Ulatus Drive. 12 o'clock tomorrow. So if you can come, that would be great. Mo and his wife are just an amazing couple. And just carry the presence wherever they go. So, awesome. Car lights. There's car lights on. Somewhere, a silver, silver Ford SUV. Your lights are on. So if you have a silver over in that parking lot, we'd like you to be able to start your car after service. So, silver Ford SUV, your lights are on. <clears throat> All right. If you got your Bibles, Proverbs fourteen twelve. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There's a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but at the end of it is the way of death. Pretty powerful statement here. And it's going to actually tie into what I'm going to speak on today. Um, So just remember this as we go along today. That there's a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him. But at the end of it is the way of death. So last week, 
I was gone, I got to go hunting with my brother, and it was a great time. Missed you guys, missed being here, um, but we had a great time, and I listened to the service, and it was a powerful, powerful service. How many were here last week? Yeah, great. Such a great service. Talked about the stones and the stories that go with those stones, and creating your own story, your new story, creating new stones for the story. And so today I want to talk about, kind of connect that a little bit. You know, last year I talked about what the key to 2023 was. How many remember, what was the key to 2023? Thanksgiving. So I want today to talk about what I feel like for the mission, the key is for 2024. Okay? So keys are very important. Keys unlock things. They're not necessarily the treasure, but they unlock the treasure. They unlock the box to get to the treasure. And so for me, keys are really important. One of the definitions for a key is of paramount or critical importance. So for 2023, Thanksgiving was that key to help unlock what God wanted to do in 23. Now that we're in 24, that doesn't mean you forget how to be thankful. Now you just have it a part of your life, so you just keep doing it, right? It's not that we get rid of it, we just keep doing it. But I feel like the key for 24 comes out of Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. Let me read that again. This is going to be really important for us this year. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart, and mind, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. So the key for 2024 is complete surrender. He's asking for complete surrender. Because when we have complete surrender in him, He has a promise for us that he will direct and make straight and plain our path. But it requires surrender. So I'm going to pick up the story of Joshua where dad left off last week. So last week dad talked about them crossing over the Jordan. And when they crossed over the Jordan, after they crossed over... Joshua had him pick up stones for remembrance. But it's interesting how God tells them to cross the Jordan. For one, it's not, wasn't the time to do it. Right? It was wide. It was the widest it was going to be. So it was the hardest time it was going to, in the natural, it was not time to cross the Jordan. In your, their own understanding, this would not be the time to pick. Right? How many watched the football game last night? Not the time to pick, play football in negative eight degrees. 
That was, I felt cold for them. But in the natural, it wasn't time to do it. But God said, I want you to go, and this is how I want you to do it. And Joshua fully surrendered to God's plan and had the priests go out and put their foot in the water. They had million, over a million people watching this. Joshua was a new leader that didn't have much history of leading. And he had to trust, he had to surrender to God's plan that when those priests put their foot in the water, that something was going to happen. In the natural, it shouldn't have happened. But Joshua fully surrendered to God's plan. And we know the story. The priests put their feet in the water. The water rescinds. They're able to cross dry land. And into their promised land. Right? And then they put up the stones to remember this. But now they're facing Jericho. This walled city. This massive walled city. That seems like there's no way you can take it. And again, Joshua is having to lead the people. And he comes in an encounter with the commander of the army of the Lord. Pretty frightening, don't you think? I imagine the commander of the army of the Lord isn't some little tiny being. And Joshua falls down. And he has this encounter and he gets in the... They, it gives them the plan, that God's plan, to take the city. Now, we've got to remember, Joshua is a warrior. He's a warrior. He knows how to fight battles. He knows how to do war. And the plan that God gives them was, I want you to march the people around the city once a day for six days and do nothing. And then on the seventh day, I want you to march around the city seven times, six times doing nothing, and on the seventh, blow your horns and raise a shout, and that's how you'll have victory. How many want that battle plan? In Joshua's own understanding, why would that work? They wouldn't have fired one weapon, wouldn't use one weapon of war. But he had to completely surrender to God's plan, even though it made no sense. And so Joshua does. Rallies all the people, says, hey, this is what we're going to do. And they do it every day, march around the city, nothing happens the first day. Second day, nothing happens. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Comes to the seventh. March around, nothing happens. March around again, nothing. They keep marching, they march around six times that day, and still nothing has happened. On the seventh time, they blow the trumpet and they shout, and the walls come down. And they go in and take the city. They have complete victory. Because they totally surrendered to God's plan. He didn't have a plan B. 
Joshua didn't establish a plan B. He wasn't like, well, we're going to do this, but if this doesn't work, we're going to have some archers set up over here, ready to go just in case this doesn't work. No, he fully surrendered to God's plan, and they had victory. So now they've got two stones, two stories now to tell of how God gave them victory. So now they go on to the, the next town. And they send out spies to spy out the next town they need to take. And it's just kind of a, hardly anybody there, the, the spies come back like, hey, Joshua, there's hardly anybody here. You don't even have to send the whole army. Just send part of it, and you'll take the city. And so Joshua goes, okay. So they send out, I think, a couple thousand, two or three thousand men to go take the city. And they're defeated by this small city. See, what happened was when they took Jericho, one of the commands God gave was that all the gold and silver, all the precious things were to go to the house of the Lord and nobody was supposed to take it for themselves. That was one of the instructions. But one man, um, his name, Achan, didn't obey. He didn't fully surrender to God's plan. And he took some gold and silver and stuff for himself and hid it in his tent. So when they went to take this other city, they were defeated. And Joshua goes to the Lord and is like, what? Like, he's distraught. He's like, what's going on, God? What? Like, and he kind of, he has a really serious meltdown, if you read it. He really melts down. He's like, why did you even bring us out here? Why did you even bring us out of Egypt? And God finally, in my words, is like, Joshua, shut up. Get up. Knock it off. Stop being a baby. Stop whining. Stop complaining. And he's like, hey, you've got sin in your camp. You, your people did not fully surrender to my plan. Someone took it for themselves. They stole from me and kept it for themselves. Which there's a principle in there on how to deal with your money, but I'm not going to go there today. (laughs) But he said he stole. And so Joshua goes, figures out how to figure out who it was, gets to that, to Achan and his family, and he's like, yeah, I took it. So they take the family, take Achan and his family and all his goods, all his Sheep, all his, all his herds, everything, and they stone him and burn his stuff. And then it's interesting. This is Joshua seven twenty six. Says over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Again, Joshua uses rocks to tell a story again. A story of complete surrender. What happens when there's not complete surrender to God's plan? So now there's a pile of rocks. So future generations can go, can see it. And see, oh. Yeah, no, no, no. We need to have complete surrender to God's plan. 
And then God tells Joshua after this, he goes, take the city, you'll take it now. And he goes and takes it and has victory over the city. And now, he's, now there's a third victory stone story in their life that they have now. Now they're starting to pile up stories and stones of remembrance of what God's victories have done. So now they've had these three victories. And the nations around them are getting really nervous. And there's this nation, the Gibeonites, go, hey, they're going to overtake us. So let's come up with a plan to trick them and get a treaty with them. So they pull together some guys to go to Joshua. But what they do is they make it look like they're from a far off land. So they, get, they wear worn out clothes. Their gear's all worn out. They get like moldy, stale food. So it looks like they've been traveling a long ways. And they go to Joshua, and they're like, hey, we're, we're from a far off place. We hear you're of your greatness. Let's sign a treaty. And Joshua and the leaders of Israel, it says they go and check out their stuff. They go look at it, and they see that it's worn out. The bread's moldy and stale. So under their own understanding, these people are from far off. In their own understanding, it would be good to make a treaty with them. They're not part of this land. Their own understanding said, this is the right choice to make. So they make a a treaty with them, an oath. And then three days later, they find out the Gibeonites are in their land. That they're not far off. And Joshua says, hey, we still have to honor the treaty because we made an oath. We made an oath before God. See, the Gibeonites were supposed to be another stone. They were supposed to be another story of God's victory. And this is what it says, is verse... This is Joshua 9.14. It says, The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. They didn't inquire the Lord because they leaned on their own understanding. We got this one. This one's a simple decision. This is the way to go. Because it all seemed like it was the right decision to make. But they didn't inquire the Lord. They didn't surrender to him. All it would have took was him to inquire the Lord. All it would have took was him to just go, okay, God, do I sign this treaty? I'm going to surrender to you and your decision about this. And God would have told them, oh, no, they're tricking you. And they would have had a complete victory. Because Joshua didn't have complete surrender to God. He learns his lesson. And he goes on to have many, many victories. And he's, he, becomes, he becomes an old man. And it's really cool. Yes, 
comes an old man that's victorious. Because he learned his lesson to, to be totally surrendered to him. But it's really interesting in chapter 12 of Joshua, it lists all the kings that Joshua defeated. Which I think is really cool. Not sure why it's all there. Because you, you read the story of him doing it. But it actually lists all the kings that he defeated. And there's 31 in all. It's amazing. 31 kings he defeats. But there's one missing. There's one stone missing. There should have been 32 kings. But the king of Gibeon is not on that list. Because he didn't fully surrender to God. See, he was supposed to be a part of those kings that were defeated. Supposed to be one of those stones that when generations walk by, go, oh, that, that's the stone of the king of Gideon that was Gibeon that was defeated, that God gave us victory over. But he's not listed there because he didn't inquire of the Lord because he leaned on his own understanding. See, full surrender means every time. Not just when we don't know what to do. See, Joshua thought, oh, I know how to do this. He forgot his reliance on God. He thought he had mastered how to handle the kingdoms around him. And he missed out on being able to tell a story of God's goodness. See, Jesus says it this way. This is Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the, great, this is the first and greatest commandment. See, Jesus leaves no room for loopholes. See, we like to try to find loopholes. But Jesus here it says it's all. He requires it all. All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. There's no wiggle room. None of it we get to keep for ourselves if we have full surrender. You're thinking, well, Ryan, that's Old Testament. Jesus was just quoting the Old Testament. Yeah, he did that a lot. There's a reason for it. See, we like to try to just push the Old Testament off. Like, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. But Jesus quoted it all the time. When he was tempted, that's what he actually fought with. Do you realize that? When he was tempted by the devil in 40 days, he didn't quote the New Testament. He didn't quote something new. He quoted the Old Testament. He actually quoted out of Deuteronomy. How many of you have actually read Deuteronomy? Bless you. (laughs) But he actually quotes out of Deuteronomy. 
The book that we're like, ooh, stay away from that. That's boring. Jesus. Because it's about him. Move on. Get off my soapbox here. But this is what Jesus says. So if you want some New Testament here. This is what he says about if you are his, how many of you are his disciple? I mean, a disciple of Jesus. Yep. Okay, here's, this is what he says. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, okay, whoever wants to be my disciple. So if you say you're a disciple, this applies to you. Must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Complete surrender. See, Jesus is only interested in complete surrender. Now, he'll take you on a journey to get there. And he loves going with you on that journey. But the journey is to complete surrender. It's to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for disciples that will give complete surrender to him. That's his definition of a, a disciple. It's not it's just somebody that reads the word every day or prays every day, which are amazing, and you should be doing that. It's a great disciplines. But he's looking for disciples that are completely surrendered to him. That deny themselves. See, our stories, our God stories come out of when we give complete surrender. Those are when the stories happen. When we have stones in our lives that we can point back to and go, oh, look what God did. I know in my life, it's always when I surrendered my understanding. I, w- I remember one of the kind of the stones in my life of God's goodness and how amazing he is. I, I was praying for this man, and he had, <clears throat> was having back issues. And so I'm praying for his back, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, pray for his tendons. And I'm like, I'm no, like, you know, doctor or anything, but I'm pretty sure there's no tendons in the back. But I said, okay. I said, Holy Spirit, we just release your healing power. Jesus, we release your healing power into his tendons. And I was, you know, and I'm like, this makes no sense to me, but going for it. And like a minute later, he goes, oh, my knee's completely healed. We were praying for his back, but God healed his his knee. But if I leaned on my own understanding of there's no tendons in the back, whether there are or not, my understanding was there wasn't, I would have been like, "Eh, nope, not doing that. I'm not praying that. That's stupid. I'm not going to look stupid. I'm not going to sound stupid, pray for tendons in the back. But I chose to surrender to what he was doing. 
and his plan. And we had, he had a guy's knee was healed because of it. Not because of me, but it was because I surrendered to what God was doing. And he did it. Surrender is a very powerful, powerful thing. So I asked the Holy Spirit, give me a picture. Give me an illustration to kind of help us make this a practical application. How how do we do this in our everyday life? And if I can have the band go ahead and come on up while I'm telling this, then we're going to go after a few things. So I asked him for a picture, and he, he gave me a picture of a car. And he said, this is your life. This car represents your life. And what I expected the next picture to be was some, the Holy Spirit sitting in the driver's seat. Because so I was thinking, okay, this is the picture of surrender. Let the Holy Spirit be in my driver's seat of my life. And I sit in the passenger seat and just get to go where he, I let him drive me wherever he wants me to go. But that's not the picture he gave me. He said, no. He said, actually, you're sitting in the driver's seat. And you're supposed to be sitting in the driver's seat. He goes, because I gave you free will. Your responsibility is to be in the driver's seat. And the Holy Spirit will sit next to you in the passenger seat and be your navigator if you'll let him. See, so often we kick the Holy Spirit to the back seat. And we ask him for help when we don't know what to do. We're driving along in life. And as long as we can make decisions from our own understanding, we're good. And then we come across a fork in the road and we don't know what to do. Then we lean to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, what do I do? Hey, you back there in the back seat. Back in the trunk, hey, what do you do? What, what am I supposed to do now? But he's supposed to be sitting next to us and being our navigator. And we go, where are we going? Hey, we got a fork in the road. Where are we going? Hey, it looks like I'm supposed to take a left here, but do I take a left? Hey, the road's got a bend in it. Do I stay on the road? And do I keep taking this bend? Even to my understanding, that's what I'm supposed to do. But we lean to the Holy Spirit. Hey, this is this what I'm supposed to do? And it'll be like, yeah, just stay on the road. You're going the right way. Or sometimes it'll be like, no, take a right. And you're like, there is no road to the right. And he's like, yeah, I know. But are we willing to fully surrender? See, the times when we think we have it most figured out is when we need him the most. Because that's when we get in trouble. That's when Joshua got in trouble. It wasn't when he was facing something he didn't know what to do. When he was facing Jericho, he didn't know how to take the city. When he was facing the Jordan, he didn't know how to pass it. But when he was facing these people that seemed far off and he thought he knew what to do, was when he got in trouble because he didn't think he needed the Holy Spirit to lead him because oh this makes sense this is the pathway to go 
God's asking us in 2024, will we be completely surrendered to him? That doesn't mean we stand somewhere and we don't move until he pushes us along. But we we live with a green light. But we're constantly being navigated by the Holy Spirit. Paul experienced this. He was going to say, hey, I'm going to this place. He starts going. He has a dream. God says, nope, you're not going there. Next day he wakes up. He's like, okay, I'm going here. That night he has a dream and the Holy Spirit says, nope, you're not going there. He's like, okay, well, then I'm going over here. I think the third time finally he's like, yep, God, yep, that's where you're supposed to go. He didn't stop moving. He didn't just sit there and wait. But he was completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. He was completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going there, he's like, okay, where are we going? Because he stayed surrendered. He's asking us, are we going to be surrendered this year? Because he has a lot of victories lined up for us. And some of them are going to be where we come into circumstances where we don't know what to do. And if we surrender to his plan, we'll have victories. But there's going to be times when we come up to a circumstance and we're like, oh, we know exactly what to do. But we still need to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, what are we doing here? I'm not doing this alone. I'm not making this decision by myself. I'm going to be solely surrender to you and make this decision with you navigating me. Would you stand with me? The key this year is going to be surrender. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. He wants victories for you in your life this year. He wants you to be an overcomer. But to be his disciple, it takes complete surrender. That everything in our life is surrendered to him and what he wants to do. So Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are here with us today. And that you are our guide. You are a comfort. Jesus said you would guide us into all truth. So this year we lean into that. We surrender to you into all truth. That you are the one with the truth. That we will not lean into our own understanding, but we'll lean into your understanding, your truth. And we'll see the victories that you bring this year. 
we'll be the ones to tell the stories to the next generation that comes along. It says, see what God did. See what happens when you completely surrender to God. See the victories that he brings for you. See the victories he brings in your life and our family. Because you chose to fully surrender to him. So Holy Spirit, come. Invade every part of our life. Teach us how to surrender to you. Teach us how to keep moving and not get stuck. But be completely surrendered to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and gave your life for us so that we can give our life for you to be your disciples. Thank you that you paid the price for us. We are not our own anymore, but we're yours. He's in the room today. He's in the room today. If you need to get your life right with him, there's some areas in your life that you haven't surrendered to him. Today's a good day. Or you've never surrendered your life to him. Today's your day. Today's your day to surrender to him. If that's you this morning, you want to surrender yourself to him. Just invite you down to these altars so we can pray with you and bring you, meet you with this Jesus. If there's any part of your life that you just, you know, the Holy Spirit's highlighting saying, you need to surrender that. Invite you to come down. We're going to worship him here right now because we want to go after some healing and the healers in the room. But I want to worship our healer. I want to worship our king. Worship the one that gave everything for us. And then we're going to go after some healing here in just a minute. So let's worship our king. Let's worship the one. But if you need to come and deal with some surrender in your life, come and let him love on you. If I could have the ministry team come on down.
your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above and Come on, let's worship him. Come on, he's in the room. you do. So we thank you for being here, for releasing healing. We receive your healing this morning. We surrender to the stripes that you paid for our healing. And we just welcome you to do what you do. We receive your healing right now. Dave's going to give some words of knowledge for healing. If, if 
this is you, please come forward. We want to pray for you. The healer's in the room. And when he's done, if you didn't call what you're here for, he's still here to heal you too. And come and get prayer for healing. Heart arrhythmia, pain in the left side of your jaw, a headache on the left side, pain moving down the left side of your neck, pinky shoulders and arms, dry eyes, specifically the right eye, financial miracles, left shoulder issues, acid reflux, an earache, blood platelet problems, high blood pressure, clavicle bone needs healing specifically for a woman. And then sometimes I get words I don't understand that God does. So here goes, right? God wants to teach or touch hearts and remnants and touch in the areas of bitterness, trauma, and hopelessness. If any of those are you, we'd love to pray with you this morning. Yeah, so come on down if you need healing this morning. Come down to the healer. And let what he paid for flow through your body. Healing flow through your body. So Holy Spirit, thank you. That you're bringing healing right now. Jesus, you are so holy. purifies us it heals us so right now Holy Spirit sweep through this room your healing power sweep through this room that mental illness right now would be set free that minds right now would be set free you paid for it. So right now that minds would come into alignment. That body chemistry would come into alignment. That clear thinking will come. That brain fog will go. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Your powerful name powerful blood that purchased it all. Wash us. Purify us. Make us whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. Highly encourage you, if you need a miracle in your life, come. Let us pray for you. And release his miracle power over your life. Before you go, just make sure and love on somebody. See you back next week. Remember, Tuesday night, financial class starts. Don't miss it. It'll change your life.